Now, for today, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 24. It's one of the most beautiful stories, and it's a love story uh, uh, that we find in, in the Bible. Uh, Isaac is devastated by the loss of his mother, and he's looking for comfort as he goes through life by his uh, self. And then his aging at the point of death father, uh, uh, Abraham, decides to find him a wife. And so Abraham is the matchmaker and uh, enlists the help of his uh, personal confidant, his personal servant, Eliezer. And, um, and they go to Abraham's homeland to find this lovely young bride, uh, Rebecca. Uh, one of the things that makes this story such an intriguing story is the faith and the characters that are developed and displayed. So I'm going to read just the first part of this chapter. Uh, Genesis 24 is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis, uh, 67 verses. And so we're not going to read it all, but I do want to read just the first part, and uh, that will give us enough of a, a sense of the, 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 the chapter to then uh, make some observations about it. Genesis 24, beginning verse 1. Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man put in charge of his household, Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. The servant asked, but, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? No, Abraham responded. Be careful never to take my son there, for the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants, the land of Canaan, uh, where they were living. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you will find a wife there for my son. If she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine, but under no circumstances are you to take my son there. So the servant took an oath by placing his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham. He swore to follow Abraham's instructions, that he loaded ten of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master, and he traveled to a distant land. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor lived. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening, and the women were coming out to draw water. Verse 12. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here beside this spring, and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too, let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. Rebekah was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. 
She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, Please give me a drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she answered. Have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. And she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all his camels. The servant watching her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success on his mission. Then at last, when the camels finished drinking, he took out a gold ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrists. Whose daughter are you? He asked. And please tell me, would your father have any room to put us up for the night? I am the daughter of Bethuel, she replied. My grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. And yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels. We have room for guests. The man bowed low and worshiped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. Well, it's, uh, it is a beautiful story, and I encourage you to, to read the rest of it uh, this afternoon, Genesis chapter 24. But for today, we're going to look at three of the characters that really play a prominent role in this story. Now, the person who doesn't play a role is Isaac. He kind of shows up at the end and uh, right before his, his wedding day. Uh, but for now, uh, uh, we're going to focus on Abraham, the servant, and Rebekah. Death is knocking on Abraham's door. He has buried his wife, Sarah, and now he has one last task to fulfill, to get a wife for his son, Isaac. He does this in a way to ensure that God's promises of giving his family a large and uh, numerous descendant, but he also does it in a way to ensure that Isaac and all of his kin will stay in the land of uh, Canaan, which is the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey that God had promised to Abraham. Now, Abraham is specifically concerned about uh, who his son will marry. And he wants to make sure it's not from one of the local women, the Canaanites. Well, it, it wasn't a, a, an ethnic issue. It was really an issue about idolatry and about faithfulness to the Lord because Abraham knew the influence that a unfaithful or someone who didn't worship God could have. And so he made it real clear that he wanted the wife for his son to come from someone who also worshiped the same God that he did. And, and you know, I, I guess that's probably <laughs> the most frequent prayer for a lot of Christian moms and dads. When, when they have their first child, they begin praying for that future spouse, that future husband, or that future wife, uh, um, that they be the right person and not necessarily rich, not necessarily educated, but they really have their faith and trust in God. And that's exactly what Abraham's wanting. As a devoted father who is concerned about his lineage and his, and his heritage, he wanted to make sure that this woman for Isaac was the right woman. And so he put his faith and his trust in God. And we see this faith of his grow uh, we've seen it grow over all these chapters. It kind of hit the high point uh, last week in Genesis 22 when Abraham recognized that
that God is the one who will provide. And now he's confident that God will also provide for his son, Isaac. The person that God, uh, that Abraham puts his trust on, uh, trust in on earth is his trusted servant, Eleazar. We learn Eleazar's name in chapter 15. It's not mentioned here, but we do know that he was Abraham's trusted servant. And he has this daunting task of traveling hundreds of miles, probably weeks of travel, to find a spouse for Isaac, and he's going to choose her by himself with the Lord's help. Uh, Abraham won't be there. Isaac won't be there. And so how does he begin this seemingly impossible task? He begins with prayer. Oh Lord, please give me success. And then he prays specifically for the characteristics and the qualities that this woman should have. He doesn't pray that she necessarily be wealthy. He doesn't pray that she be necessarily beautiful. Text says that she was. What he prays is that she have a kind, a compassionate, and a servant's heart. That was most of all and beyond anything else, the most important characteristic that Eleazar was looking for. And so as we think about how we pray and what we ask God for, Let's make sure that we're praying according to and for the things that God desires and God looks for in us. It's easy to get wrapped up in what the world wants us to do and what the world wants us to, to the kind of lifestyle that the world wants. But at the end of the day, our prayers that God will answer are the ones that are focused on uh, the qualities and the characteristics that God himself honors. And then we have this young lady, this beautiful young lady, Rebecca. She is truly an example of what every young woman ought to be. She was pure. The text says she was a virgin. She had a servant's spirit. She was hospitable. And as you'll read towards the end of the story, uh, as she was approaching, after she said yes to Eleazar, uh, as she was approaching and she saw Isaac for the first time, she covered herself with her veil to uh, uh, to uh, demonstrate the modesty that was expected in, in her time and her day. You know, it, it doesn't mean much to us when it talks about her wanting to offer uh, a water to the, the camels. Uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever given uh, uh, water to camels. In fact, the only animals I've ever given water to have been uh, my fish. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, uh, but more importantly, my dog. Um, and and, and I, that comes from a jug, right? Did you know, and maybe you do, that a thirsty camel can drink up to 20 to 30 gallons in 10 minutes? One thirsty camel? Now, I don't know how thirsty these 10 camels were, but uh, uh, we're talking about two to 300 gallons of water, potentially, that she would have to go fetch from a well. And yet, that was her offer. And so we see the kind of spirit and the kind of heart that she had. After they make their long journey back to, uh, to, to the land of Canaan, uh, uh, Isaac sees them at a distance, and the text says that he immediately fell in love with her, and then they were happily married. Uh, they were married and lived happily ever after, with a couple bumps. But the purposes that Abraham had in mind for his son Isaac were fulfilled. Now, 
that's the story. And it's a beautiful story in and of itself. But there are some things happening behind the scenes that I think are also important for us. Um, it's important for us to imitate certain behaviors in the way we should act uh, in, in terms of Abraham, Eleazar, and Rebecca. But it's also important for us to see behind the scenes and to think about God. Until now, God's actions have been very overt, very visible, very direct. He's walked with and talked with and given direct commands to the patriarchs and, and some of his people. But now he's going to kind of move behind the scenes and there's a little bit more discernment required. Uh, um, God doesn't show up as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud during the day to guide his people. Uh, uh, it's a little bit more nuanced. And so moving from here on throughout the biblical story, God expects a little bit more maturity from his people. And, and so I, I want to suggest four things that we see about God in this text that will be helpful to us. Number one, God is a God who is faithful to all his promises. God's promises are true and he will fulfill them. Uh, God, Abraham could count on this. When, when, um, uh, when Abraham was sending out his servant Eleazar, the, the first thing that he pointed out was, God who called me out of uh, uh, the land of Ur from the Chaldees has been faithful to me all these years, and he will fulfill his promises. God is true to his word, and he always fulfills the promises that he's made us. Second thing that I notice here is that God knows what we need before we ask. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter 6. We shouldn't be just ranting and babbling on mindlessly. God knows what we need before we ask. But he wants us to ask because that's the connection and the relationship we have with him. Before Eleazar could finish praying, God had already sent the answer by way of Rebecca. And so uh, those are, again, reminders of God's nature. He is faithful and he knows what we need and he begins to answer our prayers often before we even finish praying them. The third thing is that God does answer and speak clearly to those who seek him out. Now, God isn't going to put... Um, uh, uh, neon signs up in the sky, but God is going to guide us, and he has done so primarily through his word. Uh, there isn't any uh, uh, secret codes. God doesn't use language that only uh, educated people can, can understand. He wants us to seek him out, and he makes himself available. Uh, he wants us to look for his input as we go through life. Now, you might have asked this very same question. What is God's will for my life? You want God's input. You want his direction. Much like Eliezer wanted to make sure that he chose the right woman for Isaac, you might have asked at some point before you got married, what is God's will for my life regarding this particular person or this particular college or what job should I take, or what career should I pursue? And we have all these different, very, very specific situations. And sometimes we can get lost and frustrated because sometimes 
we don't get as clear an answer as we would like. Well, let me suggest that if we modify that question a little bit, it will actually help clarify what God expects and wants for us. So rather than asking, what is God's will for my life? Let's shorten that to just say, what is God's will? What is it that he truly wants more than anything? And scriptures have told us numerous times, this is God's will for you or for us. This is what God really wants. And when we think about those things, what we see is what God wants is for me to develop a healthy relationship with him, to love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. What God wants is for me to love my neighbor and those around me with that same kind of uh, 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 fierce love. What God wants is for me to live as a pure individual, uh, um, leaving my devotions for him and for the person that God has placed in my life. My purity is important to God. And then what God wants is for me to be saved. He wants me to enter into a relationship with him that will lead me to uh, uh, an ongoing relationship after this life is over. And, and that leads us to the fourth and final thing that God wants and that we see about God is that God is determined to save all people. You know, the story behind the story is, is that God wanted to make sure that Isaac got the right woman so that they would live together and they would have the right children who would then create this family of Jewish people out of whom the Messiah would be born. That was extremely important for God because he, as Jesus himself said, knew that out of the Jewish people would come the Messiah. And God was behind the scenes orchestrating everything so that Jesus would be born because at the end of the day, God's will for all of us is that we be saved, that we have that relationship with him. Now, to get into God's family, you don't have to marry in. To get into God's family, you don't have to be born in like uh, 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 by a physical birth, but you do need to be born by a spiritual birth. And so the continuity of passing off one generation's blessings from Abraham to Isaac and then on to all of his children is still true. There is a continuity. But now the way that that continuity continues in the family of God is because we all believe in one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And so as we think about this beautiful love story, I want to encourage us to also see the story behind that story of God's working to make sure that the Messiah comes and the Messiah will be available for Jews and Gentiles and people of all races and all languages and both genders and all the people on the earth uh, uh, will have the opportunity. So you, I, and all of us can rejoice today because God made sure that Isaac got the right woman and then that led to Jesus being born and the opportunity for us to enjoy that as well. If you have questions or doubts or, or would like some clarification and some help in finding this way to God and to this family, 
please give us a call. Send us an email. We'd love to respond and interact with you about that. So for now, I'm praying that, that God will bless your day, that he will fill you with joy and happiness, and that you will be able to enjoy the goodness that God has to offer us, that we will see behind the circumstances God working. 